Two weeks ago, we started a series on the Holy Spirit. Uh, That's because we think, as elders, that's really important uh, that we should teach from the Bible uh, about the Holy Spirit. I think before we start, I'd I'd just like to to pray because we've had the Holy Spirit's presence with us uh, as we've worshipped. He loves that. He loves when we glorify Jesus. And he loves to show us Jesus. Uh, But let's not assume. Let's not presume. Uh, So let's pray now. Holy Spirit, you were there at the beginning, (coughs) brooding over the waters. You were bringing forth new life. And we pray you'll continue that work among us now. Show us Jesus. Show us the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Teach us, rebuke us, guide us in your ways, make known the the mysteries of Jesus to us. We we need you. Uh, We might as well go home now if you're not here. So Holy Spirit, come, fill this room. Give me words to speak but bring your testimony to the heart of everyone who hears my words. We honour you. We need you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So today I want to talk about uh, the Valley of Dry Bones uh, in Ezekiel 37. I think we just need to get something out of the way before we start so that uh, it's just clear. Okay, we'll sing the chorus just once. Okay. Dem bones, dem bones, dem dry bones, dem bones, dem bones, dem dry bones, dem bones, dem bones, dem dry bones. Hear the word of the Lord. That's enough. Okay. <clears throat> About the most useful thing. I actually Googled quite a few versions of that on YouTube, but you've even got Herman Munster singing it. Uh, He doesn't say, hear the word of the Lord. Uh, Nearly 2,000 years ago, Paul wrote to a church in Corinth, quite a notorious church. Uh, But he said, I want all of you to speak in tongues, but even more, to prophesy. And that's our heart as elders at Gateway Church. We want you all to speak in tongues. We'd like to speak in tongues more. But we want that you should prophesy. Uh, We need prophecy today. Uh, We had some prophetic words during our meeting. We had some tongues during our meeting, singing together in the Spirit. But we need prophecy. And you're all going to have an opportunity (laughs) to prophesy at the end of the meeting. Now, if some of you are like me when I first came to Gateway Church, I think it was 2006, you had um, a um, front edge. Uh, Some of you feeling like I did when I first went to that meeting at Gateway Church, you'll be thinking, I'm a cessationist, get me out of here. What's all this about prophecy? It's a bit spooky. He wants us to prophesy at the end of the meeting. Well, um, actually, some of you probably not even 
understand what the words, and we're already using big words like cessationist. Um, Well, a cessationist is someone who believes that or behaves as if something has ceased. Um, It's possible to believe that something has ceased, uh, even if it hasn't. Uh, It's rather like a Welsh rugby team at at full time. We all know it's over, but they don't seem to be able to believe it. Um, it's, it's possible to believe that something hasn't ceased, uh, but to behave as if it has, rather like the English football team at halftime. <clears throat> uh, in theology, uh, the, the debate boils down to an argument over what has or what has not ceased. Uh, and you can change your mind. I have ceased being a cessationist about some things. Uh, I am a cessationist or something. Um, Once I didn't believe that signs and wonders and miracles were for today. Now I do. Once I didn't believe that tongues and prophecy were for today. Now I do. Once I didn't believe that anyone could add to the Bible today. And I still don't. So, with respect. (laughs) Oh, there's a relief here. With respect to scripture writing, I'm still a cessationist. But with respect to signs and wonders and miracles and tongues and prophecy, I'm a continuist. Strangely, uh, no one ever seems to have had difficulty over gifts of generosity and administration. Um, ceasing uh, as long as it was somebody else's gift. (laughs) It's true, isn't it? (laughs) 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8 to 12. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. And now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Do we know fully? No. Do we see face to face? No. Have we all reached maturity? No. Has the perfect come? No. Do we know in part? Yes. Do we see in a mirror dimly? Do we still need to grow up? Some of us more than others. No, we all need to grow up. Do we prophesy in part? Yes. Yes. Have tongues ceased then? No. Have prophecies ceased? No. However, you can behave like a cessationist, even if your theology isn't cessationist. I'd also say if your theology is cessationist, 
you could behave as if you weren't. I know plenty of people who are spirit-filled who don't believe prophecy is for today, but they prophesy all the time. <clears throat> you might believe in tongues and prophecy for today, but can you be bothered with them? <clears throat> Do you have these gifts? <clears throat> Do you seek them? Do you use them? Or do you neglect them? 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1 to 5. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God. For no one understands him. But he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. And you're going to get an opportunity to do some of that at the end this morning. Last week, Nigel preached on Joel 2, um, and we go to 28 and 29 again. And it shall come pass, to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. No pressure. Your old, yes, pressure actually. Your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. Um, Fleur is actually talking about prophecy today uh, to the young people. And she gave a lovely definition uh, the other evening of what prophecy is. Uh, She says, prophecy is to hear God and to speak it out. It's hearing God and speaking it out. In our culture, prophecy is usually seen as foretelling or predicting the future. In the Bible, prophecy is primarily foretelling or speaking out God's words. Similarly, a prophet uh, in the Bible is not a fortune teller, but one who speaks out God's word. Of course, many biblical prophecies look forward to future events. Um, the, the exile and the return of Judah from Babylon, the, the destruction, the, the building of the temple, um, the birth, life, death, resurrection, ascension of Jesus, and his coming again one day. All these things are prophesied. They're always looking forward at the time when the prophet spoke. The coming of the Holy Spirit, as we heard last week, is prophesied. Looking forward. However, these prophets are essentially still speaking out what they hear from God. Now, some people have a particular gift of prophecy. Um, In a few weeks' time in March, there's an opportunity for us to go over to, to Shrewsbury to hear a lady who has a gift of prophecy, and uh, she's used it many times in, in quite uh, an amazing way. Um, now, some people have a, a gift 
of prophecy that is consistent and, uh, and, and reused again and again. Um, now, if, if you have a gift of prophecy, uh, I encourage you to use it later. Um, if you don't have a gift of prophecy, but that's something that you desire, it says eagerly desire, earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you will prophesy. So uh, there'll be an opportunity later to pray for that gift. But you don't have to be recognized as a prophet in order to prophesy. Uh, prophets listen to what God is saying and then speak it out. That's prophecy. Uh, God may be speaking to you this morning. He may be speaking to you right now. It may be a Bible reading. It may be a song we've sung. It may be somebody's prayer. It may be a tongue that somebody brought. It may be another prophecy that somebody brought. It may even be this sermon. God may be speaking to you right now. But when God is speaking, are you listening? And if you're listening, are you ready to speak it out? Or are you just going to keep it to yourself for your own edification, for your own benefit? Or are you going to share it with somebody else? You know, Numbers 11.29, there's an incident uh, where Moses took 70 elders off uh, to the tent of meeting and uh, the Spirit descended and they prophesied. And there were two guys who were part of the number, but they were not with the 70 at the tent. And they started prophesying in the camp. And somebody, a snitch, went and ran and told uh, Moses that this was happening. And Joshua got rather upset and said, well, tell them to stop. And Moses said, would that all the Lord's people were prophets. And the, the gateway elders say, Amen. The gateway elders say, oh, sorry. Amen. <laughs> Would that all God's people were prophets. Amen. Thank you. We better get to Ezekiel. It wasn't just the song that we were going to do. So uh, let's get to Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 37, uh, starting at verse 1, reading to verse 14. Uh, it's not going to be on the screen, so if you've got a Bible with you, it's, uh, I hear the rustling, I hear the sound of rustling of the leaves of the Bibles. Okay. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O oh Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O oh dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I 
am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied there was a sound, and behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them. But there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceeding great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves. O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. When I came to prepare this, I realized I knew very little of Ezekiel. It's one of those fairly weird books. If you start reading, you have wheels spinning around and all sorts of things. It's, uh, it's almost mechanical at the beginning. It's an amazing book, very graphic. And of course, we all know about Dim Bones. And I think the thing that, that I struggled with the most was this thing of prophesy to the bone, to the wind, to the breath. Prophesy to the breath. Um, I'm still not sure I entirely get that. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's a, a sign of our dependence, I think, on God's spirit. It's all very well me telling you what I think this is about, but God needs to come by his spirit and make these things alive to us. So if we're going to have a, a chance of prophesying to each other at the end of this meeting, <laughs> we need God's help. So spirit, we're emboldened by this word. Come among us. Breathe on us, breath of God. Once I've done a fair amount of reading, I thought, well, it's okay, I can go and Google and find out if um, John Piper's written anything useful on this, and he hasn't. <clears throat> so that's the end. <laughs> no, but uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon mm, has preached on this. And actually, listening to Spurgeon last night, I realized Spurgeon <laughs> was uh, quite a charismatic, actually. Uh, something I was not told as a young 
pharisaical cessationist. Anyway, uh, what he says about Ezekiel 37, according to some commentators, this vision in the Valley of Dry Bones may refer to three forms of resurrection. Holy Scripture is so marvelously full of meaning that one interpretation seldom exhausts its message to us. The chapter before us is an excellent example of this fact and supplies an illustration of several scriptural truths. Some think that they see here a parable of the resurrection of the dead. Now that's true. Uh, There's not many references in the Old Testament to the resurrection of the dead, but it's clear that people in New Testament times believe that. And some see Ezekiel 37 as, as part of that. Others see here the resurrection of the almost destroyed host of Israel, which had been divided into two companies and carried away captive into Babylon. I love the fact that you said that because now I don't have to do any of the context for you uh, because we're not going to do that interpretation. Uh, But it's a fascinating read. If you've got a, a study Bible to go and look at when this was written and to see where this fits in uh, with the exile of Judah and the destruction of the temple. Um, fascinating to see how that is, is part of what, certainly this is what it meant to them at the time. Uh, there are others who, looking beyond the literal for the spiritual teaching, see, and I think rightly see, that here is a picture of the recovery of ungodly men from their spiritual death and corruption, a parable of the way in which sinners are brought up from their hopeless, spiritually dead condition and made to live by the power of the Holy Ghost. That's what we're going to run with, okay? It's all right. C.H. Spurgeon says it's okay. Uh, Go and Google... Spurgeon, Ezekiel 37, if you want to read his fantastic sermon. Google Spurgeon, Ezekiel 37. That's your exercise for this afternoon. Okay. Verse 1. A hopeless situation. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones, and he led me around them. And behold... There were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. No bodies, bones. Not even skeletons, just scattered bones. Uh, They'd been picked clean by scavengers. You can see the vultures. Bleached by the sun, Uh, they would have been dry and brittle. And even using today's technology, DNA and all that, um, just imagine the amount of time it would take to to take every bone and catalogue it and then put all that data into a computer and then, well, it would would take years of effort, wouldn't it? And cost millions. Um, Absolutely hopeless situation. Impossible. Certainly beyond any human intervention. Now... One of the wonderful things about the way the Holy Spirit uh, moves among us in our meetings is people bring scriptures. um, And uh, Callie brought uh, Ephesians 1 
uh, to us earlier, and, and we are going to go there at some point. But uh, I, when I was thinking about this, I saw very much a connection to Ephesians 2, and I just want to read a little bit of that. The first three verses are very well known. Um, the NIV says, As for you, or ESV, and you were dead. Some of you still are. No, I'm serious. Some of you still are. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature objects of wrath. As for you, you were dead. Dry bones, picked, clean, bleached by the sun, lifeless, scattered, unable to do anything for yourself. Can you identify with that hopeless situation? Christian, have you forgotten that this is what you were? Don't be afraid to go back and look at that because it will make your worship of God so much more. (laughs) It's a bit like um, the jeweler's shop putting diamonds on black velvet to bring out the glory of the diamond. Um, Diamond on a piece of white paper... (laughs) is not as glorious or doesn't appear as glorious as it does on black velvet. As for you, you were dead. But now all that stuff that Callie read is true of you. Non-Christian, do you realize that these bones and Paul's description are you? As far as God's concerned, you're dead. Do you agree that you're dead to God? Do you realize that he's actually angry with you? Yes, he loves you, but do you realize that you're an object of wrath? Does that bother you? Don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to prophesy at the end unless something amazing happens. (laughs) But, but if you want, at the end, if you know that's you and you're dead and you need life, then, then come and see me or Nigel at the end and we'll pray with you. We'll pray that God's spirit will come and do a miracle. But we're running ahead. So we had a hopeless situation and now a sovereign God. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? Well, how would you answer? Hopefully you'd do better than the disciples. Um, Mark chapter 10, you knew I'd get there. Um, remember the uh, rich young ruler comes to Jesus, and uh, it's all very exciting, isn't it? He's rich, uh, and he wants to be saved. Um, 
But he goes away sad because he loves his riches more than Jesus. And Jesus said to them, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man... It is impossible. But not with God, for all things are possible with God. So Ezekiel does better than than Jesus' disciples. He said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. I think that Ezekiel knew that God could do the impossible. He just wasn't sure whether God was going to do the impossible. Do you understand that it's humanly impossible for anyone to be saved? Do you think that it is somehow less impossible for some people to be saved than others? Do do you presume that you might just be able to convince the right kind of person to be saved in your own efforts? With a good argument? As long as I haven't watched uh, Brian Cox or Richard Dawkins recently. Um, Maybe, could convince them. Or is there anyone here who thinks they are too far gone? Or have you given up on someone because you think they're too far gone? Do you believe God can do the impossible? If you're a Christian, you should know it because he did it with you. And if you're not a Christian... Do you see that there's nothing you can do? That only God can rescue you. You alone can rescue. You alone can save. You alone can lift us from the grave. Do you know that? Hopeless situation, a sovereign God, an unlikely partnership. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, hold on, that, that's, that's, that's ridiculous. That's one step too far. That's ridiculous. Young man, sit down. When God is pleased to convert the heathen world, he will do it without your help or mine. Uh, that's what a guy called Dr. Ryland infamously said to a guy <coughs> now known as the, the father of modern missions, a guy called William Carey in 1786. Young man, sit down. When God is pleased to convert the heathen world, he will do it without your help or mine. And he's got a point, hasn't he? Surely God can save the lost without your help or mine. And that is true. But God has sovereignly chosen to use us. He has the right to do that, doesn't he? We might think he's crazy, but he has the right. He said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live, and I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. Who's doing the prophesying? 
Sorry? Ezekiel. Good. Some people are still awake, if not dead. Who's, who's doing the doing? God, behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and cause you to come. And you will know that I am the Lord. Who gets the glory? God. Now, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the, the Princess Bride. Uh, there's, a, there's a scene there where there's a sword fight between two brilliant swordsmen who, who think they're God's gift to, 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 to the world, basically. And uh, they have a sword fight, and uh, they both start off like this, and it's all very dramatic. And then partway, one of them says, but what you don't know, even good that I am, is I'm not left-handed. And he does this. And the other guy says, what you don't know, is I'm also left-handed, and he changes his over. And they now it's a bit like a wrestler, isn't it? Uh, winning a fight with a hand behind his back. I think God gets more glory because He uses us. I think He does a crazy thing involving us, but I think it gives Him more glory. It's like He has a hand tied behind His back, and He still achieves His purposes. Matthew 28, a very well-known passage. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in earth and on earth, in heaven and on earth, has been given to me. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. That's crazy. Can you save someone? Can you make somebody into a disciple? No. And yet he's commanded us to do the impossible. But he makes a promise. He says, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus commands us to do the impossible, but he promises to be with us. How many impossible things have you done today? Well, make prophesying one of them. Are you waiting for someone else to prophesy to your friend, to your family, to your neighbors, to your colleagues, to your boss, to your employees, to your enemies, to the media, to politicians? Are you waiting for somebody else? And if you're not a Christian, do you expect God to speak to you directly? Now, God has chosen to speak through other people. They may not be perfect, but they bring his word. So don't be foolish and say, I'm not listening until God writes it in the sky. There's a room full of people here who could prophesy to you about God's glory and his salvation. Don't be proud. Are you going to listen to the people that God sends to you? Right, a hopeless situation, a sovereign God, an unlikely partnership, an obedient prophet. So I prophesied as I was commanded. 
And as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them. And flesh had come upon them, and skin was covering them. But there was no breath in them. Ezekiel just did what he was told. Will you? Um, I wonder what he was thinking. (laughs) This is crazy. Uh, Surely God could save the heathen without my help. (laughs) I get the impression that Ezekiel is actually surprised at what happens. Uh, It's in his language. Uh, So I prophesied, and behold, (laughs) rattling. (laughs) So you can get something of his excitement as he tells the story. Behold, rattling. And, uh, And behold, sinews. He's surprised. But then, just in case he or we thought it was all his doing, but there was no breath in them. If you will hear God, and if you will speak it out, if you will prophesy, you will be amazed at what God does. Are you ready to do that? Will you be an obedient prophet in just a few minutes? A hopeless situation, a sovereign God, an unlikely partnership, an obedient prophet, and an amazing miracle. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied, as he commanded me, and the breath came. And they lived, and stood up on their feet, an exceeding great army. O breath of life, come sweeping through us. Revive thy church with life and power. O breath of life, come cleanse, renew us, and fit thy church to meet this hour. O wind of God, come, bend us, break us, till humbly we confess our need. Then in thy tenderness remake us, revive, restore. For this we plead. O breath of love, come breathe within us, renewing thought and will and heart. Come, love of Christ, afresh to win us. Revive thy church in every part. Revive us, Lord, his zeal abating, while harvest fields are vast and white. Revive us, Lord, the world is waiting. Equip thy church to spread the light. My gracious master and my God, assist me to proclaim, to spread through all the earth abroad, the honors of thy name. He speaks, and listening to his voice, new life the dead receive. The mournful broken hearts rejoice, the humble poor believe 
And the glory goes to that you will know that I am the Lord. He said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up. Our hope is lost, and we are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will bring you into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from the graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I will place you in, my, in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it. Who gets the glory? Not the prophet. The Lord. Isaiah 48, 11. For my own sake, for my own sake, I will do it. <coughs> my glory I will not give to another. Paul writing to that church in Corinth, <coughs> chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians, verse 6 and 7. I planted... Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he nor who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. God is determined that his people and the nations will know that he is the Lord. Uh, If we had time, we could have read a bit of uh, the context in Ezekiel 36. And there God is saying, I'm not doing this because you're great. In fact, you have profaned my name. I'm doing this for my name's sake. To show how holy I am. I, I, when I was, uh, I think, about 13, I went, has anyone heard of Cape and Ray? I, I went on a Cape and Ray um, holiday, um, water sports. You can see me now, the sun-bleached hair. Um, yeah, one foot, one foot, all that sort of stuff. Um, and uh, we, we actually played a wide game with uh, Major Ian Thomas. I'm that old. Um, he was the guy that started Cape and Ray. Amazing guy. Terrible cheat. Uh, when we got his life, you know, you had to these little bits of cotton around your, which were your lives. He, he, wouldn't let anyone, he wouldn't let anyone take his life. Um, LAUGHTER but I, there's one thing I remember from... I remember, I remember praying in the dorm for somebody's hamster who had died. Um, but the other, the other thing I remember quite clearly is uh, uh, he told a story of a, a, a guy he'd met who was, uh, I think, a student in a university. Um, and uh, he went to visit him. And all around this guy's room were pictures of people. And uh, so he asked, well, who are these people? He said, these are the people... I have led to the Lord. And Major Ian Thomas, I think he'd get away with this, he took the pictures and he made a pile of them on the floor, the tower. And then he walked around it and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power 
and for the honour of my majesty. I can remember that 30 years later. <laughs> That's quite... It's not for our glory. No. It's for his glory. If he uses you to bring somebody to himself, rejoice at what an amazing God he is and that he could use even you. It's not something to be paraded. (laughs) But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, to the praise of his glorious grace. Thank you, Kelly, for bringing what God showed you to the praise of his glorious grace. I think it would be good if we could prophesy to one another. Um, This is a very special piece of paper uh, to me. I don't think the guy that wrote it is in the room. Uh, It was... uh, even got the date on it, July the 11th, 2008. Um, And a friend of mine handed me this piece of paper. Um, He didn't uh, do it with a flourish. He just said, Phil, I I think uh, God wants you to know this. I was in a car with Nigel. Um, I'll tell you in a minute. I'm I'm glad you're interested. It was a time when uh, we were transitioning from my cessationist past into Gateway Church and there was a lot of stuff going on up here and I really didn't know where things were heading. And uh, this dear friend wrote on a piece of paper, Phil and Rachel, God has got his hand on the rudder of your lives. <laughs> well, it's not particularly eloquent, is it? It's uh, like... A It's not even scripture, is it? But that piece of paper and the heart with which it came, God used to strengthen us. What it says is biblical. It doesn't add to scripture in any way. Just say, Phil, I want you to know God's in control. You can relax. (laughs) Um, That built me up. It edified me. It strengthened me. That's prophecy. He heard from God. He thought, Phil needs to hear this. I'll write it down for him. And I'm very grateful to him for that. But I'm even more grateful to the God 
who, who inspired him to do it. Yeah. And, and so what I want us to do is uh, to hear God and to speak. Uh, the, the stuff that perhaps God has spoken to you today, what I want us to do, uh, two groups of people really, if you're not up for this, um, if, you, if you'd rather talk to us about how do I pass from death to life, uh, come and see Nigel and myself. Um, and we'll pray with you. And we'll pray that God will rattle your bones and put some flesh on you. And then that God will come and breathe his life into you. Um, if you want to pray for that breath, if you feel desperately you need to be filled with the Spirit, come and, come and talk to Nigel and me again. Uh, but the rest of you, uh, I'd really like you to, to get into groups of, say, four to six. I don't want anyone doing this one-to-one. I want other people to hear what you're saying uh, so that they can weigh it, so there's a bit of accountability. I don't want you to bring anything directional. You know, God has told me that you must. Uh, none of that, please. Uh, just something that's going to edify and, and build up. Now, if you think you do have something directional, could you come to Steve... Um, uh, and, 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 and we'll weigh that uh, but please don't just take it to someone uh, but, but just think you know, what has God said to me that I could say to somebody else that would build them up and encourage them and, and that's what I want you to do now so it's build up, encourage, strengthen groups of four to six, not directional uh, you're going to have to do this yourselves and I'm just going to pray uh, this is not about us this is about God and his glory and then I just want you to go. And maybe, Steve, you could put something, uh, what did you say last week? Bl- bland and morbid on in the background. Um, melancholy, there we are. So, Father, thank you for your words. Thank you for your Son who can rescue us. Thank you for your Spirit who can show us Jesus and breathe life into us. Thank you that we can hear you speak today through your words and through many other things but through your words through songs that we sing through things that other people say but pray now that you'll help us not to do anything that is of the flesh not anything that is of us just to bring what you have said and to encourage and build up strengthen and edify one another and we pray too for anyone else who needs to know you, who needs to know the God who can rescue. Pray that you will breathe life into them and turn them from death into life. Make us all people who now walk in your ways and bring great glory to you. In Jesus' name.